Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Let's bow in prayer, please. Eternal Father, what a joy it is to be in your house with your choice people. Thank you that we have been privileged to join our hearts in singing to you. Thank you, Father, for loving us, for your grace, your mercy, and your faithfulness to us. We come to you this morning acknowledging our weaknesses and how desperately we need you. Come, Holy Father, today asking in Jesus' name that God the Holy Spirit will in this moment grant his fullness, that he will equip and enable that indeed I might have the very mind of Christ that I might be able to share from this portion of Scripture those truths and thoughts that will bring glory to you, that will magnify the Lord Jesus, that will edify the body of Christ, and that will result in precious souls coming to know Jesus as Lord. I lift to you, Dublin First Baptist Church, her leadership, pastor search team, and ask you, Father, that in your time you'll bring together pastor and people, that this portion of your vineyard might continue to flourish, and that the fruit in the fields might be gathered. Now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about opportunity shunned. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now as he was going out, now as he was going out onto the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. 
And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things have I kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at that word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. There are numbers of individuals found in the pages of the Word of God that fall among those that you and I would describe as simply obscure. We don't know anything about their heritage or their home. As a matter of fact, their names are not even recorded. We simply really wouldn't know anything about them at all. The only thing that gives them any significance is the simple fact that in the providence of God, the Lord Jesus crossed their paths. That's the only reason this man is recorded in Scripture, that he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. We still don't know his name. We still don't know where he's from. We still don't know anything about his family. But one thing we do know, this man had an opportunity of a lifetime. We do know that Jesus crossed his path. And crossing his path provided him with an opportunity that he otherwise would not have had. There are a couple of things that you and I can learn from this immediately. One is, this is the type of people, as you read the gospel, that were always attracted to Jesus. Think about it. Who was attracted to him? The no-name people. The obscure people, the insignificant people. By and large, were those that were attracted to him. We don't know a single name of those of the 5,000 or the 4,000 of the masses that were attracted to him. And we know also that when crossing his path, a decision was called for. Now, I want us to look at this opportunity shunned. There are three things in it that I will outline for us this morning. First, I want us to notice the person with the opportunity. Now, there are opportunities all about us. And there are those individuals that you and I read about who possess the courage. When opportunity came their way, they were willing to take the risk and go through that door and be blessed or go through that door, take the risk and go through a door of opportunity. And there are just as many individuals who lacked that courage and they lived a life of misery. Misery. 
They're lessons to be learned. Let's look at this person. First, I want you to look at verse 17 and 19 and 20, and you will see his character. This is a man of character. Now, just let these verses speak for themselves, and you will see something of the character of this man. Now, verse 17 says that Jesus is going forth, and this man somehow, some way, has information that Jesus is on his way. I don't know how he knew that, but he knew that, and he comes running. Now, why is he running? It is a remote possibility that he's trying to show off. Now, not in that day, but his girlfriend is standing over there, and he wants to impress her by how fast he can run. No, I don't think so. Why is he running? I don't think he wants this opportunity to pass him by. And I think he is running because of what he has heard about this man, Jesus. And he wants to get to him as quick as possible. Now, isn't it strange that in our day, more people are running from Jesus than to Jesus. And we have more information about Jesus than any generation. And yet more people are running from him, turning their backs, going the opposite direction than they are to him. When this man gets to Jesus, he kneels. I think showing respect. Now, this is a man who doesn't have a relationship with him, and yet he is showing respect to Jesus. Multitudes today that profess to know him do not show that kind of respect to him. Now, folks, I am somewhat, no, I'm more than somewhat. I'm just a little bit, more than a little bit, old-fashioned. I still believe that there are things that ought to be reverenced and respected. Now, I am not offended by wearing shorts to church. I was at one time. You know, I was at one time. I've grown up. But I want you to think about something. Don't get mad. Just hear me. If you were invited by the president to meet with him, how would you dress? I'll leave it at that. What I want us to understand, folks, is this. There are things to be respected. Say amen, Lance. Or say don't come back to our heart. 
There are, there are things to be respected. My associate and I were having a conversation. And I said, Robert, what troubles me is what we accept today leads us further down the road to what we accept tomorrow. You agree? You see, we might as well go ahead and legalize marijuana. Now, you can not like that if you don't like that, but we might as well go ahead and do it. Why? Because it's going to be done. It would blow your socks in the creek if, <laughs> if you knew how many Southern Baptists sitting in pews this morning drink socially. Probably even in this church. that have a glass of wine this evening. Now, I can't show you in the book that you can't do that. I can't. I can't show you in the book that you can't do that. But what we accept today, folks, leads to accepting something else tomorrow. Accepting homosexual marriage outside the church leads us to accepting homosexual marriage inside the church. I don't know how I got off on that except to say I got off on it because if we fail to respect and reverence the person of Jesus like we ought to respect and reverence the person of Jesus, it leads to other things. Say amen or something. I know it's early in the morning, but you got up while ago, you know. Are you mad yet? Okay, all right. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay, all right. Okay. Still got him on my side. I'm all right. He's, he's still on my side. All right. Oh, me. Uh, I took a lot of time on that and shouldn't even took any time on it. But, but his character comes running. He kneels. This is a religious, moral man. How do I know? He says, good teacher. He's covering everything up with his, with his morals. Jesus said, there's none good but God. Jesus lists six of the commandments. Six. Now, they're all vertical. None of them horizontal. They're all vertical. He says, I've kept these from my youth. Jesus doesn't refute them. Jesus doesn't say, no, you haven't. He's just a very religious person. 
I know churches where he would be the chairman of deacons. He lives by the letter of the law. Folks, the law will kill you spiritually. There is a biblical standard, but it isn't the law. It is grace. And grace. He's a man of character. And he has some great points. But then the second thing about the person with this opportunity is his concern. Now he comes to Jesus. He has all this great character and those things about him. But he knows something is missing in his life. Did you catch it? He comes. Why does he come? He comes with this question. I know something's missing in my life. What must I do, he says, that I might have eternal life? I have all of this, but I don't have peace. I don't have, what do I do to have eternal life? That's missing. Now, his inquiry contains a mistake. What is it? Do. What must I do? It's a works. He's coming believing that he must do something to earn his eternal life. I've had countless conversations with individuals who have said to me, but pastor, I don't do this. I've never hit my wife good. Maybe she'd have killed you and you'd have been better off. <laughs> or we'd have been better off. I pay my bills. I don't drink. I don't do this. I mean, I've had conversations with individuals countless times and all you get is a work answer but have you have you have you been to the foot of the cross have you repented I don't do this I don't do that I do this I do that all of that is commendable but it doesn't bring peace that only comes through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. And this man's concern is, what must I do? And what you must do is lay it all down. Lay it all down. Give it all to Jesus. The person of character he has a lot to offer. The second truth is the possessor of the opportunity. Now, surface reading would give the impression 
that the possessor of the opportunity is this man who comes. But he doesn't create the opportunity. So now wait a minute. I think you're wrong. No. You see, that's just like you saying, I'm going to get saved when I'm good and ready. No, you won't. Uh Uh-uh. You will get saved when the Spirit of Holy God convicts you of your sin, and you know you're lost, and you can't save yourself. And the Spirit of God draws you. That's when you will get saved. That's your opportunity. Now, I've never met anybody that cried out unto God and asked Him to save them that God turned down. The Spirit of God is the one who creates the opportunity. Right? So, not me. The Holy Spirit creates that opportunity. The possessor of the opportunity. Two things I want you to see in verse 21. The insight of Jesus. Look at it, verse 21 again. Then Jesus. His look. Then Jesus, looking at him, Jesus looking, gazing, gazing into him, seeing him as he really was. What amazes me is he saw him as he was, where he was. And that's the way it is with you and me today. He sees us as we are, where we are, and he sees beneath the surface. He sees me as I am, and the tragedy is you and I, the majority of the time, refuse to see ourselves as we really are. And until we see ourselves as we are, we're never going to see others as they are in need of the Lord Jesus. The look. He saw him, and then the love. Looking at him and said to him, go sell. Go your way, sell what you have. Return, take up the cross and follow me. He loved him as he was where he was. And then another thing in the inside of Jesus is the lack. He said, one thing you lack. Now it appears as if he has everything, doesn't it? And he does as far as the world gazes at things. But he said, one thing you lack. That one thing is the heart of things. Go sell what you have. 
Now, I think sometimes that's what we're afraid of. The Lord is going to ask us to go do something. You know, I'm told, you know, you know how they catch some exotic monkeys? How I'm told? They put peanuts in holes in limbs and the monkey puts his hand in there and put, grips that peanut and he won't turn loose of it and they can catch him because he's the limb. He won't turn loose of it. Well, that's what the Lord is saying to this young fella. You got to turn loose of that stuff. And that's what the Lord is saying to you and me. I tell you this, folks. The Lord has never asked me to give up anything that it didn't replace with something better. And the majority of the times, the thing that the Lord's asked me to give up, he gave back. It wasn't a matter of him taking away. It's a matter of him being in control of it. Did you hear what I said? It's a matter of him being in control of whatever it is. That one thing was the everything because it was the one thing that kept him from surrender. The third thing there is in verse 22, a profound omission. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. There's a sadness of the seeker. He went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He came seeking. Lord, what must I do? He's given his answer. Forsake and follow. Take up your cross. Follow me. But when he found out all that is involved, he goes away sorrowful. And then there's the separation from the Savior. But he was said at that saying and went away. Now as far as the record reveals, he never had another opportunity. He shunned his opportunity. Never another opportunity. Now the question might be, why didn't the Lord stop him? Why didn't he open his eyes And show him hell. Why didn't the Lord stop him? I think the answer is very simple. He had to make his own decision. Just like you and I have to make our decision. We have to decide for ourselves. Opportunities come our way. 
for salvation, for service. Opportunities present themselves all the time. In the bulletin, there is that survey. That's an opportunity. Everyone can do something. Don't shun your opportunity. The greatest opportunity you have today, if you don't know Jesus, is to say yes to him. That's the greatest opportunity. The second greatest opportunity today is, if you know today that things aren't right in your heart, and the Lord says it's time for you to surrender whatever it is, and let him be in control of it. You're never going to be happy till you do. You're never going to really be that spiritual person that he wants you to be until you do. Because the Lord looks and he says one thing. Whatever that one thing is, he says today is the day. There's grace abundant, grace available to enable you to make any decision that he spoke to your heart about. And we're going to sing about that grace. And you need to make your decision for the Lord. Father, Father,